0: It was, uh, I think, 25 degrees when I walked in here just a few minutes ago. That's cold. I I don't know if you've ever heard uh, the older saints of a church who are very uh, emotionless, referred to as the frozen chosen. But I guess you guys today are the frozen chosen. And thanks for getting out being here. Um, Just to update you, we sent a team to Honduras this past week. It has been awesome for them. So excited. If you didn't know, in Tegucigapa, Honduras, the capital city, uh, we actually have a care point in a little community called Nueva Suapa. Um, The average family in that community uh, only brings in about $2,000 a year. So at times, uh, finding food, finding resources are huge issues. And so we feed nearly 200 kids a day at our care point. There and uh, what what actually the care point originally was it was a church and so this church said you can use it to feed the kids in and they've been accommodating and so what we've done is actually taken over uh, the renovations so that the church has space and the care point has space so it's adequate for both uses and so we're adding a second story this is an overhead picture as the team has laid concrete. That vortex is right at the stage area for the main sanctuary. Concrete had to be carried up by hand in buckets. I want y'all to know that's hard work, but God has been with them and. I believe there's some stories that are going to come out of this trip next Sunday. uh, Pastor John Mike So, who's on this trip is going to be sharing a message called Encountering God Through Serving. And they're going to reflect a little bit over this trip. You don't want to miss that next Sunday and uh, listen, I, I, we're a part of, when it comes to mission stuff, there's a lot going on with our church. Uh, I'm going to be at a summit this week with a couple pastors, and we're going to be talking about how we can do missions together. I'm super thankful for that opportunity, and if you didn't know, we're a part of a network called the Association of Related Churches, and we, we plant church, churches all over the country. We actually are planting one today. We're planting Promise City Church in Salisbury right up the road. Listen, I talked to, um, talk to their pastor this past week, and we spent some time just on the phone just talking about kind of where they were and, just, you know, right up the road and listen to his story. I mean, Derek has he's done a great job of preparing for this. Derek pastored a church in Greensboro. It's an all-black church, and he actually felt by, called by God through a relationship that he had. They merged with an all-white church, and, and for years they've spent now just exploring what racial reconciliation looks like and God called him out of that church and now he's planting a new church in Salisbury it's going to be great and so they are starting right now first service was at 11 o'clock today so I told him we would be praying for him so would y'all mind praying with me? God I just want to lift up Derek and Promise City right now as they launch their very first public service can remember over 11 years ago right in this room when Vortex Church had their very first service and how exciting it was and how at the same time so stressful it was and God you did so much that day with us I'm praying you show up meet with them God let there be lives that are forever changed by what you do in that room with them today Would you do it for your glory, for the kingdom of God to come even more in the city of Salisbury? We pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, we're also in 21 days of prayer. So we're beginning the last week of that. If you haven't been with us, we like to track for about 21 days as we start a new year of just being really intentional and praying, right? So this week, we, we started by praying through our relationship with God, then praying last week through our relationship with other people. This week, we're going to pray through our relationship with ourself. With ourselves, Those are the three main dynamics of relationship. Do you know Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He exposed this. It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right, God? Love your neighbor as yourself. So what's God saying? Jesus was saying there are three dynamics of relationship to God, to your neighbor, to others, and to yourself. And so I want to do that. Let me give you prayer objectives for every day. You might want to take a picture of this or we'll be posting it on social media. Monday, thank God for how he made you. How many of y'all have ever complained to God about how he made you? God, I'm too tall. I'm too short. I'm too round. I don't like my eye color. I don't like my hair color. How many of y'all, let's just take a day and say, God, thank you for making me this way. Thank you. You knew what you were doing. And God, thank you for making me the way I am. On Tuesday, ask God to show you how you've sinned against yourself. Do you realize that when you've complained to God about how he made you, it's actually sinning against yourself? You know, Ephesians 5 says, a man who sins against his wife sins against himself. There's times that our sin is not, it's not just breaking a rule, it's actually having negative impact and consequences on us. God, show me. Where in my sinfulness is it having a negative impact on my own life? On my, I'm, I'm rebelling against the person you made me to be, against the way you want me to live, against the life you've called me into. Wednesday, confess your internal struggles to God. We, You know, every person in this room has some internal struggles. I don't feel good enough. I don't feel smart enough. I don't feel like I'm doing a good job. I have no idea what I'm doing as a parent. There's, we all have them, okay? We, we often don't talk about them, but why don't we get in front of God and go, God, I don't feel real happy at work right now. God, I, I have been... So lost as a parent, I don't know what I'm doing. Let's bring our internal struggles to God. And then on Thursday, ask God to help you be content in this season. God, would you help me be content? You know, the Bible says that godliness with contentment is great gain. Anytime you hear the word great gain, I'm like, that's what I want. I want some great gain, right? So contentment. God, help me in this season to say what you've given me is enough. Help me to be content in this season. Friday, pray to more fully experience the love of God. Now, I want to make this statement. God loves you, okay? Y'all listen to me. God loves you a whole lot. There's nothing you can do that will make God love you anymore, and there's nothing you can do that will make God love you any less, but there is some things we can do that will allow us to experience His love even more. So God... What can I do in this next season of my life to experience your love in a greater way than I ever have before? And then on Saturday, ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit. God, I need your strength. I need your wisdom. I need the Holy Spirit to walk with me. I want you to understand there's no greater gift right now where we are in the span of what God, than the presence of the Holy Spirit. God, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Fill me with Your Holy Spirit. And then Sunday, plead with God to move in your life in the coming year. I mean just, God, I need You to do something in my life. I need you to move in my marriage. I need you to move in my emotions. God, would you do something in my life? I want us to go in prayer. And then just real quickly, it was mentioned in the announcement video, I'm going to be doing some Let Me Help You seminars. They're they're just really, in, in many ways, they're responses to questions that I've often got from people. On February the 18th, let me help you pray. Coming out of 21 days of prayer, so many times I hear, I don't even know how to do this. I feel lost. I don't know what I'm doing. Okay, so we developed this seminar. It will help you. It will help. I mean, we had people coming out last night just in tears. I didn't even know. I'm so thankful. Right? And then let me help you read your Bible on March 10th. Uh, Leonard Ravenhill said one time that one of the most damning things for a Christian is the Bible that is covered in dust. And so many times we, we have. We have access to the Word of God, but we don't use that access. So many people—I've had so many people say, I just, "I'm trying to read it. I don't really know. I don't know." It, this is a very comprehensive seminar. It will help you. It will help you. Okay. For both, there's no cost to them. We provide dinner. We do this just simply because we want to help you pray. We want to help you read your Bible. Please go ahead and sign up. Spaces are normally limited, and we want to make sure you get into it. Okay, now today we're gonna be going back to 1 Kings, the encounters that Solomon has had with with God. He has three encounters. The first one, Solomon, what do you want me to do? I I would love for you to help me govern, right? And then the second one, he's built the temple, God comes, I want you to stay faithful. And then we read last week that after Solomon had taken 700 wives and 300 concubines that the wives he had turned his heart away from God. And in 1 Kings 11 he's visited again by God. He has another encounter. Can you stand as we read through this beginning in verse 9. Standing in honor of the reading of the Word of God. The Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. And although he had Forbidden Solomon to follow other gods. Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. So the Lord said to Solomon, Since this is your attitude, you have not kept my covenant and my decrees which I commanded you. I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. Nevertheless, for the sake of David your father, I will not do it during your lifetime. I will tear it out of the hand of your son. Yet I will not tear the whole kingdom from him. But I will give him one tribe. For the sake of David, my servant, for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. Then the Lord raised up against Solomon an adversary, Hadad the Edomite, from the royal line of Edom. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Would you bring clarity to it and conviction to our hearts? As we ponder your word together, would you provoke within us the faith needed to surrender and take the next step in our journey with you? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to review the first two encounters that Solomon had. The first one, if you remember, Solomon has just become king. God comes to him in a dream and says, Solomon, what do you want me to do? I'll do anything. And Solomon asks for help governing. I'm just a little boy. Look at all these people. I need your help. And what God does is God gives him wisdom. And we looked at this principle. He gives him wisdom on the inside. Something changes on the inside. So many times, if God were to ask us the question, what do you want me to do? We would say, God, I want you to change something on the outside. Get my husband to put down the toilet seat, okay? Get my kids to obey the first time. But what God does, this is a principle, and we see it with Solomon. God changes him on the inside, and then the overflow of that changes his life on the outside. God goes, hey, I'm going to give you wisdom, and I'm going to give you what you didn't ask for, wealth and a long life. Why? Because wisdom overflows into those things. And it leads to a season of peace and prosperity where now we're, the kingdom has only been at war, now it knows peace, and Solomon uses a season of peace to build the temple. So after the temple is built, they come together to dedicate the temple, and God appears to Solomon a second time. And this time, God demands faithfulness, which to me is a little odd because from Solomon's perspective, he's done everything that God wanted. He built the temple. He built it to the exact specifications that God had given him. But God didn't just want a building. He wanted Solomon's heart. And as Solomon gains prestige and provision, he co-ops those things for himself. He chooses comfort, and then he chooses pleasure. In 1 Kings chapter 10, now we find Solomon with the wealth of the kingdom being used for his own good. The writer of 1 Kings records that Solomon refused to drink out of anything that wasn't gold. Get that away from me. I need a gold cup. Right? That's where he at. He looked at his throne. He record, the writer records that he remodeled his throne. It's like Solomon's going, I don't need this year's model. I need a new model of the throne. And then in 1 Kings 11 the Bible records that Solomon took 700 wives and 300 concubines. All from neighboring kingdoms that worshipped other gods. And then the Bible says that these wives turned Solomon's heart away from God. So in verse 9, the very first verse that we read, when God is about to come for the third time to visit Solomon, God is very angry. And I want to inspect two reasons why, two aspects of what's going on here. Because if we're quite honest, many of us have put ourselves in the same place that Solomon finds himself. So let me give you two observations about this. Number one, Solomon's misuse of God's blessings turned his heart away from God his misuse of God's blessings. God had blessed him. He was living in that blessing, but he misuses that blessing and it ends up turning his heart away from God. Now what blows my mind is with Solomon, it started with God. It started with surrender. It started with him on his face. I don't know how to do this. There'll never be a way I can do this without you. But somehow he's gotten to a place where he doesn't need God anymore. That might be a story that you can identify with. On your face. God, help me get into that job. Help me start that business. Help me get into that career. And all of a sudden, 20 years down the road when God's blessed, now that desperate need for God is no longer there. Please listen to me. If God's blessed you, good. Use it. I mean, I I think it's a wonderful thing when God blesses somebody. But the bigger issue is not that you're blessed. The bigger issue is what are you going to do with it? Because that's the heart issue. See, the way that you use God's blessings always becomes a heart issue. Jesus taught this principle in Matthew 6. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is so simple. You get to choose where you put your treasure. And where you put your treasure There will become a flow. The Bible says that out of the heart flows our life. There will become a flow that moves in that direction. Pastor Robert Morris said, I can illustrate this so well. We're going to give all of you $1,000. Wouldn't that be awesome? Right now, your phone's being, Everybody gets a text message. $1,000 has been given to an investment account. You have to allocate it and invest it before you walk out of the building or you lose it. So you look through stocks and you go, I'm going to invest in AT&T, $1,000 into AT&T stock. Pastor Morris said, this is what happens tomorrow afternoon. You're at home. wonder how AT&T stock did today. Ooh, pull it up, look it up. Friday afternoon, how to it do this week? All of a sudden, where you've put your treasure, your behavior begins to follow. See, choices lead, feelings follow. And Solomon has made choices to take the blessings of God and move the treasure into very selfish places and his heart is following. When you use God's blessings for your intentions, when we use God's blessings for our intentions, it only leaves us with broken hearts. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. This is not just simply I'm breaking a rule. You're going to break your heart. And Solomon is going to end up with a broken heart. He's going to end up with a broken heart. Y'all think, think about this. This is number two. Solomon forfeits his two greatest blessings as he rejects God. I want you to hear, there's some things God's going to give you in life that if you reject God in your life, you will lose those blessings. You're only going to keep them by staying faithful to God. And Solomon rejects God and he's going to lose his two greatest blessings. I have I'm just blown away when I read this story because it's as if God goes, you can keep the money. Keep the money. Oh, you wanted all those women? Keep the women. But he's going to lose a kind of wealth that money can't buy. You know, there's a rich that money will never kind of get you into that kind of rich. Solomon's going to lose that. Let me make just two statements about that. Solomon forfeits the peace his wisdom had afforded him. He forfeits peace. Peace is a blessing. Some of y'all, I I need that blessing in my life, right? Do you know peace is described as one of the fruits of the Spirit? It's a byproduct of our relationship with God. Solomon forfeits peace. Do you notice what we read? Immediately after God comes to him, the very next thing that happened is God raised up an adversary. Solomon has only known peace. His entire reign as a king for decades, all it's been is peace, peace, peace. But immediately when he rejects God, God raises up an adversary to come against Solomon. Which is why I've told y'all, we've got to give God peace in our life and say, I'm going to use this for your intentions. God took away the peace, raises up an adversary. Solomon forfeits his peace, and then Solomon forfeits the legacy of his lineage. He forfeits his legacy by rejecting God. I, there, there are some of you in the room that legacy right now is on the forefront of your mind. If you're in your middle life, it's maybe just now becoming a conscious thought. If, in, if you're in your beginning stages of your adult life, you need to hear this. What you do right now will establish the platform for your legacy that you're going to leave later. Solomon had worked real hard to accumulate a legacy, but he forfeits it because he rejected God. You know when Solomon is approached by God in 1 Kings 3... What can I do for you? He actually makes the statement. He saw this as a blessing. He says, God, you blessed my father so much that you took one of his sons and put him on the throne. But that's not going to happen for Solomon. He's lost it. Solomon had been given so much, but he leaves behind a fractured legacy literally the kingdom fractured god tells him a subordinate is going to come jeroboam is going to come and he's going to st- literally steals the majority of the kingdom away solomon's son rehoboam takes only judah now it's the kingdom of judah and the kingdom of israel and it's fractured they're at war with each other they're at war around. there is no peace anymore and it only gets worse so let me wrap up the story of Solomon with a few observations today let me wrap it up with a few observations number one Solomon encountered the living God and it wasn't enough he encountered God I mean three times God came to Solomon Three. he had experiences with God that changed things. And it wasn't enough. First time he encounters God. Wisdom. Then he builds the temple. And then there's wealth and prosperity. But then he walks away from God and starts choosing comfort and pleasure. I think when I look at this, I ask this question, like God gave Solomon everything. Everything. I mean, even in today's worldly understanding, of human power, it's power and money and everything that you, God gave Solomon everything, and it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough, and I just remember looking at this and God, what are, what are you teaching us through this? And it's so simple. If God alone isn't enough, nothing else will satisfy you. If God alone isn't enough. No amount amount of of accomplishments. No amount of affection. Your marriage will never be satisfying. Your career, no matter uh, how much your business... It'll never be satisfying if God alone isn't satisfying. It's a hard issue. Think about what Jesus said. Where your treasure is your heart will be also. Wherever we choose to find our greatest treasure, it creates a flow in our life. This is why some of you, your greatest treasure is your job and your life flows that direction. For some of you, it's your kids and your life flows that direction. For some of you, it's your marriage and it flows that direction. And the problem is, is that those things aren't bad things, but they'll never be ultimate things. They can never satisfy you completely. Only God can. So I want you to see this, number two, we need to encounter God, but we need to remain faithful to Him to win. The the problem with this cycle we see with Solomon is so many of us live in that, we encounter God and we have a great moment of victory, but then we fall out of faithfulness and we forfeit it. And then we come back to, I need to have that same win again. God, I need you to, and we we don't we don't stay in it. You need an encounter, but you need faithfulness to win. Encountering God will bless you. But faithfulness will keep you in that blessing. It'll keep you in it. I mean, some of you right now, you know, like I need an encounter with God in my finances. I need an encounter with God in my friendships. I need a breakthrough in those areas. But the thing about it, faithfulness will not only get you a breakthrough, it'll get you a stay-through. I was thinking about this verse, Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28, verse 20 says, A faithful man will abound with blessings. And I know that that could be taught where, man, you just be faithful and God's going to rain down the blood. You're not even going to know what to do. It's going to be all rainbows, unicorns, sunshine. It's, I don't think that that's what this is saying. I think that what this verse is saying is that somebody who will stay faithful to God, where God blessed you 20 years ago, you're going to still have that blessing. Where God blessed you 15 years ago, you're still going to have that blessing. Where God blessed you 10 years ago, I'm still carrying that blessing. Where God blessed me two years ago, I'm abounding in blessings because I've stayed faithful to the God who blessed me. Faithfulness will get you to stay in it. So if there's one big lesson that we can walk away from the life of Solomon with, I'd say it's this. Number three, it's not what you have It's what you do with it that matters. I mean, I know the way our culture thinks about things, right? We think, well, I'm not as smart as them or as talented as them. I don't have those gifts. I don't have as much money. It's not what you have. It's what you do with it that matters. Solomon had all the wisdom and all the money, yet he turned away from God. And instead of using it, for God's purposes he co-ops it for his own purposes now when the wives turn his heart he begins to build literally all around Jerusalem builds these monuments and these small spaces of worship that literally survive for hundreds and hundreds of years it's not what you have it's what you do with it that matters So let me give you two questions. These are clarifying from the life of Solomon with lessons I think we need to learn. Number one, what will you do with peace? What will you do with peace? When God brings a season of peace to you, what are you going to do with it? Will you use it for yourself? Or like Solomon, when he was starting out, Will you use it to build the temple? The temple now is your relationship with God. I think one of the biggest lessons from the life of Solomon is that if God can't accomplish his purposes in our life through peace, he will bring conflict. Because God will get it done. So why don't we just let him do it in peace, okay? I want that for you. God wants peace for He wants you to live in peace. He wants peace in your marriage. He wants peace in your home. He wants peace in your heart. But we gotta make sure that when there's peace, we're using it for God's purposes. Here's another one. What will you do with provision? What will you do with what God's provided for you? Now notice I didn't say money I didn't say, what are you going to do with your paycheck? Because here's what it's not your money. The bank account that you pull up and check, that's not your money. There's never been a dollar that flowed through your hands that was yours. It's all God. I've never seen anybody at a funeral toting $100. It's all going somewhere else. It's not yours. It might be in your possession for a little while, but it's not yours. It was provided to you. It was provided. It is provision. And like everything else, like your time, your talents, your skills, your intellect, it has a purpose. Solomon was blessed beyond our wildest imaginations. And Solomon used those blessings for his own purposes. What God has blessed you with, He has a purpose for it. And if you want to stay in the blessing, then you've got to be faithful to the purposes of God. I come to see this when I look at the life of Solomon. Encounter alone is not enough. Encounter alone is not enough. So many times we think, well, I just, I just need, no, it's alone, it's not, we need an encounter, but we need faithfulness too. Let me just kind of get a little summative with this. We need encounter with God because it changes us. It changes us. When we encounter God, it changes us. Nothing's going to change without you encountering God. You encounter his principles, his ways, his word, his spirit, his people. When you encounter God, something's going to change in your life. We And that, that's the same with any relationship. Without an encounter, nothing's going to change. And for something to grow, newsflash, it's got to change. And if you ain't growing, you die. Right, so we need to be growing. We need encounter because it changes us. And then a great principle from the life of Solomon that internal change is what God does, right? We want God to change the things around us, but God changes the stuff in us. And internal change cultivates external blessings. I mean, I'm telling you, some of y'all want a different marriage and the key to a different marriage is a different you. You need to get better at forgiving. You need to get better at serving. You need to get better at saying I love you. We need some things to change, but what needs to change is me. And if I change, then the things around me start to change. Internal change cultivates external blessings. And then lastly, look at this. Faithfulness allows us to stay in God's blessings. To stay in it. I don't want you to just win today. I want you to stay in it. I don't know if you're like me, but there's pain in learning from God. There's a lot of pain in walking through a season of learning a lesson from God. I don't want you to go through that pain and lose and forfeit the lesson. I want you to stay in it. So can we just be honest for a moment? We're not in heaven yet, okay? That means every person in here, me included, has some stuff we need to grow in. Right? That's every one of us. So just process this question for a second. What needs to change for you this year? Maybe it's this year I I need to be more disciplined. I I need some help in my emotions. My marriage needs to change. I don't know what it is, but the thing is, when you answer that question, it points to where you need an encounter with God. If your emotions need to change, you need an encounter with God in your emotions. If your finances need to change, you need an encounter with God in your finances. If your marriage needs to change, you need an encounter with God in your marriage. If your friendships, your career, your community, the neighborhood, wherever you're saying, I need that to change, you need an encounter with God in that space. But let me make this super simple. If it needs to change, it needs to be surrendered. Because until you surrender that to God, God has no platform to do anything in it. Some of us praying, God, change my marriage, and we're still trying to do marriage our own way. God changed my kids and we're still parenting our own way. God changed my money but we're still doing money our own way. Listen, until it's surrendered, God has no authority to get in there and do something. You've got to surrender it to God. And victory is on the other side of that. Some of you feel lost in your own lives right now. Don't know what to do. Don't know where to go. Don't know the decisions to make. Feel like you've been blowing it. And the truth is, is that you need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Because there's no way For you to get to that change that you know you need until you surrender your life to Him. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.